Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock. Super excited to have Susie Gruber with me here today. And Susie is a, see, I had to look. I was trying not to look. Personal <laughs> development coach. Just like that, menopause brain. Woo! <laughs> so welcome. Thank you, Terry. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Thank you so much for, for being willing to join me. And um, did we connect through ACES Connection? Yes. 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 What a great community. It's really amazing. I'm so excited that so many people are, are bringing passion and awareness to this whole uh, issue of how our early beginnings affect our lives going forward. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's like the snowball has started to roll. And exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, seems, it seems as though the the whole just get over it um, old way of thinking about it is finally going away. Yes. Amen and hallelujah. I I had I actually said that yesterday in an interview. I said, um, you know, I remember a friend telling me that was in the past. Can't you just forget about it? <laughs> I just remember crumbling, and and now I'm. I just want to scream from the rooftops. No. <laughs> Actually, I, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So talk to us about what it is you do. I've been on your website. And again, your uh, hummingbird, I just <laughs> got to my heart. It was instantly drawn to it. I love it. So Thank you. Yeah, well, it's, it's a, the hummingbird for me is such a symbol of aliveness and vitality and um, kind of connection to our essence. So that's what I do is I help people really connect to that deep part of themselves and explore what's in the way of them creating a life that is full of that rather than um, patterns that are preventing them from having the relationship or the business uh, or maybe the spiritual practice that they want for themselves. And uh, the work that I do isn't another strategy. It's not going to add to somebody's to-do list. It's much more looking at kind of under the hood at what's driving the difficulties. So um, it, it's pretty cool because we get in there and we actually start to deconstruct the way people think about these things, um, the choices they might be making. And, and what I love is I never know where it's gonna go. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've had people say to me, you know, I thought I looked at this already, but I'm seeing this in a whole new way. Eee, that's, that's so exciting. That's I mean, so exciting. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, I, you and I had talked beforehand via email, but I did EMDR therapy. And again, it was, you know, terrifying. But again, we went in and I was seeing things in a new light that I hadn't seen before. Um, but I like the idea of what you're talking about, you know, that, that do no harm, you know, that yeah. almost non-intrusive. Um, you don't really have to go back into the terrifying parts. Not at all. I almost never hear the details of people's stories. Um, you know, if I'm working with more of a shock trauma issue, like a car accident or a fall, something like that, then there's more reason for somebody to step through what exactly what happened. But when it comes to more complex trauma, like what we think about when we think of adverse childhood experiences, um, I'm much more interested in someone's relationship to what happened rather than the specifics. So um, 
I work very much in the here and now. So I always start with, well, what do you most want for yourself? And it can be anything. Like it can literally be anything. It can be absurd. It can be, you know, bigger than is reasonably possible, but it's a starting point for people to really connect with their heart's desire. And, and then we go from there and we see what's going on in the here and now that's getting in the way of them creating that for themselves. And so, um, it's very much client driven and it's very much um, driven by one's own life force as it, as it were, you know, and then sometimes people don't know the answer to that question and that's okay. So then we talk about that, you know, it, I mean, I know that place of, of feeling frozen and not knowing what I want. I mean, I went through that for years um, on a professional level. Oh, well, I know what I want, but I'm overwhelmed by it. <laughs> there you go. And that's yeah. the other, that's the other um, you know, the other side of it is, and, and in my experience, you know, when we've had these tough early childhoods, um, there's layers to it. So, you know, I might take a step out into the world and feel a certain kind of um, um, kind of stress around doing that and then work with that layer. And then maybe I take an even bigger step and then something else shows up. So it's really, it's almost really a, a spiritual journey in a way to, to really reclaim ourselves from, from the, what's left behind from these old, old experiences. Wow. That's a beautiful way to put it. And I love that. I love that whole mind, body, soul you know, yes. that we need to start approaching all of this um, from that perspective of, you know, it is all connected, the mind, the body, the soul. Um, and yeah, we have to heal all of that. Exactly. Along the way. So yeah. very cool. So that is that the somatic experiencing or do you utilize both that and NARM? And what does NARM, N-A-R-M stand for again? So I primarily use NARM and it's the neuroaffective relational model. Okay. And it's an approach that is both top-down cognitive and bottom-up somatic. So so it is very much an integrative approach that that brings in our thoughts about ourselves and and our environment in addition to helping people reconnect with what's actually happening internally. Very cool. It's yeah, really so cool. It's really cool because um, you know, from a point of wholeness, as you just said, we really, we really are designed to inhabit, fully inhabit our bodies in order to really feel alive and enjoy um, the fullness of what life has to offer. Oh my gosh. And that is so accurate. And again, I keep coming back to, I've said this before, but I want people, you know, the audience to understand that when I learned to come back into my body, yeah. oh, that, that was the turning point, you know, when I was able to go back in and see a traumatic experience, like through my own eyes, not yeah. from watching a movie from the outside, not that dissociation stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was able to be in the midst of a panic attack or heightened anxiety and stay in my body yeah. and work through it and, and ground myself and go through the processes and all of my steps that I have in place, shoo changed everything and everything yeah and so yeah, you're no longer at the mercy of of what's left over yeah no. yeah well that's beautiful thank you for helping people find their way through that because it it really is just such a blessing yeah um so how how do people get a hold of you and what what is the process involved for yeah. someone if they're interested um 
they can go to my website, which is suzygruber.com and learn more about me that way. And then if you go to the work with, work with me page, there's um, a way to, to book an initial 50 minute conversation. So I can share a little more about how I work and, and learn a little bit more about what someone's wanting help with to see if we're a fit. Okay. Um, and then, you know, and then if that all seems like um, a good fit, then schedule, you know, an initial one hour session um, to again, try it a little deeper because this way of working feels pretty different to people. And so um, um, I always set up the first session as a way to kind of get familiar with how we, how we work together and then, you know, and then go from there. So okay. um, yeah, it's really, this model is very relational. The norm way of working is very relational. So it's really important to me that, that, um, that people feel comfortable, not that the process is always comfortable. I mean, we always run into stuff that we might not have expected, but, but that they're comfortable with, you know, the big picture of, of how we're working together. Right. Right. So who, who is your target audience? I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, whether it's, uh, other practitioners, uh, solopreneurs who have their own businesses of some kind, you know, people who are doing marketing. I have small business owners. So it's really um, people that have achieved a certain level of success, but they know that there's kind of a, a next gear that they can get to and that they haven't quite gotten there for some reason. A lot of people that are, are you know, pushing an edge in some way and really wanting to create more capacity um, for um, that, taking that next step, I would say okay. in their lives. Awesome. Do, do you find did you find that the most or majority of people, you know, it is related back to aces? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I would say pretty much a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> and I think that's what's starting to come come out of all of this is that how much of an impact on children's lives um you know these experiences have so yeah exactly cool. and, and i just want to say that that you know sometimes when i talk about this um the parents and the the audience start to get a little concerned about what they may or may have may not have done for their kids and and i just really want to say that that you know so much of the time intentions are good and that and that um you know it doesn't really matter when we become aware of of how we are with our children that, that generally it's never too late to kind of shift. Oh, you know, I have a beautiful story about that and then working through it right now. My mother's 83 years old. Um, she was a severe alcoholic my entire life. I would have labeled her a narcissist. She was very um, self-absorbed, you know, went to work, supported us, um, and but would go out drinking with her coworkers after work and um, you know, any interaction I ever had, and my sister had the really the brunt end of it. She was three years younger than me. But there was no, I, I have no memories of coloring, you know, or reading a book or um, going to the movies or any of that with my mom. If I approached her, you know, at any time, she would just slur at me how angry she was that I was interrupting her. And so I just never had much of a relationship with her. And then throughout my I think from about 22 to, you know, I don't know, maybe 50. <laughs> I avoided the phone if it rang after, you know, 7 p.m. because I knew it was her, you know, if it was her calling. But 
then when she started to get older and frail, um, you know, then all of a sudden I had to become the caretaker and I was stepping up in, in giving the role, you know, living that role of um, making sure she was okay. But then we, I finally reached a point, you know, I went to a, or um, Al-Anon for the first time in my life in my early fifties and realized you know, it's okay that I say, mom, I can't, I'm not going to be the one to pick you up off the floor. I'm not going to be the one to keep taking you to the hospital because, yeah. you know, you've gotten yourself so drunk. Yeah. And she quit drinking this past April. It's almost been a year at 83 years old. We have this amazing relationship. We hang out, we go shopping, we go to the movies, we, and we have reached this beautiful place of healing and forgiveness. And I've talked to her honestly about it. I told her I'm writing a book about it and she's so supportive and so encouraging because she wants people to understand the journey. But then once I came, came to her and I said, mom, you know, you're self-medicating, you're hurting. And so she started to open up about the horrors that she had lived through as a child wow. and her aces. And once we started, not that I'm a therapist, but just from a daughter-mother relationship and her opening up and talking about it, I, she started to go through this healing journey. And we kind of, you know, traversed it together. And wow. So, yeah, I tell people, don't ever give up. Yeah, don't ever give exactly. up. No, exactly. And, and, it, and it, you know, so many of us um, at some stage in our journey get get fixated on wanting other people's behavior to be different. Right. And, and what I found is that when I do my own work, their behavior does shift, but it's because of how I'm showing up differently. And it's just such a powerful um, experience to realize that, that I do have an impact on the people around me. And I also had narcissist parents, so I resonate with what you're saying. And, and you know, when we come out of that sort of environment, we feel invisible. Mm -hmm. We feel truly invisible. So I love your story. It's super inspiring. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And you know, and I think it was what you just said kind of struck a chord with me just now in that I started to approach her differently. I treated her. I was no longer angry with her about her being drunk. Um, I started to come at her from a very loving perspective, you know, and I just told her very lovingly, mom, I'm not going to be the one to pick you up, okay? If, if you decide to go down this road, then you have to figure it out. Call a friend. Don't call me. And I, you know, I love you. And I, I just took a totally different approach. And I'm telling you, I think, you know, my, and my sister joined me and we cried and there were tears. But it was in that moment that she said, I'll do it for you girls. That's and wonderful. yeah, now, you know, I know that whole AA thing you're not supposed to do it for someone else but so far she's holding true so I'm like hey if that's what she wants to tell herself but I think deep down inside she's doing it for herself especially at that age you know right. I mean I think that there are lots of ways for people to shift there's no yeah. one right way right right and, and also you know I I hear how connected you all are now and I think that's really so much when I when I think about substance use it's so much about medicating pain that that you know she's she's the opposite of alone she's got a connected family and so it's different than it was in her childhood now right right 
So very true. Yeah. Well, and I'm just, again, I'm just super, super proud of her and, um, you know, what she's done. So, so you, you know, your personal story, um, is this how you got drawn into, into working with others? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I had two narcissist parents, um, who really never created a, a healthy relationship with each other or a, a healthy environment in which to raise a child. And um, there was a lot of good things about my childhood, but, but relationally there was a lot of, of unpredictability. There was a lot of um, emotional abuse. Uh, my mother became an alcoholic and, and struggled with alcohol for a good 25, 30 years. So, um, you know, there wasn't honest conversation. There wasn't repair there was a sense that emotions were something for weak people, you know, it was really uh, um, kind of, I would say, rigid. Um, the environment in a lot of ways was rigid. Expectations were high of how you're supposed to behave and what constitutes a good girl and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I have I have perspective on where all that came from and and because I've done so much of my own work I have tremendous compassion for both of my my parents and 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 in particular you know the socioeconomic piece around on my mom's side of the family in particular how the trauma legacy came to be because of socioeconomics that you know particularly my mom's mom simply didn't have time to be a good parent because she was raising you know, she was supporting six girls on her own in the in the twenties. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, twenties and thirties and and forties and and it. You know, what do you do? Right. You know. Right. Yeah. My grandma Kitty, who I say is one of my resilience. She's one of my my well probably my biggest resilience factor. Uh, she was very present in my life. Um, always there when my mom wasn't. And she, yeah, raised eight kids, and uh, it was not my mom's mom; it was my dad's mom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a what a strong, empowering woman who never once yelled at me, never once was always encouraging, just just very gentle love. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. So I think you know when people hear my story and they said, "Holy crap, Terry, how did you get through that?" And um, I I tell I say Grandma Kitty's name a lot because yeah, she yeah. was. A guiding force and thank god i had her so yeah very cool so um i'm gonna throw my favorite question out to you right now only because it's jumping out at me i gave you a forewarning <laughs> <laughs> so if you could meet anyone in the world dead or alive to help you with your journey who would it be i love that question what what comes to mind is i would love to meet like one of my great 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 grandparents just to get a sense of what you know was going on generally generationally you know yeah. 100, well, 150 years ago on I, one or both sides of my family i just think it would be really interesting um to see the roots of how things kind of came forward and they're, and they're saying that now, you know, that there's that, um, you know, that generational trauma or that, I mean, yes. and not just from the trauma aspect of it, obviously, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, because it was interesting. I, I, I was visiting um, my aunt um, in, 
earlier in the fall and started talking with her about my great, I think it was great, great grandmother. Yeah, great grandmother. And I learned that, for example, this woman decided that all of her girls, because she also had a pack of girls, um, should be educated so that yeah. they could have a career. So this would have been, I want to say the late 1800s. And so they all ended up getting sent away to school. So on one hand, there's something good happening that these girls are getting educated and, and being, you know, trained so that they could be self-sufficient and, and take care of their families. But these women had careers, but they were separated. Like they're all sent away from home for school. So there was this disconnection and, and, and that's kind of the theme in my family is that on both sides, even that, that, you know, they're kind of salt of the earth people who roll up their sleeves and, and get things done, but there's such disconnection and, and lack of, of, of healthy communication, you know? Um, so I'm just really aware of, of how socioeconomic necessity can affect um, a home environment, you know, whether it's something like I just described or the parent who works three jobs. And right. so, I mean, it means oh. that a lot of things are better than they would be if the parent didn't do that, but there's an, a reality of the impact, the emotional impact on the child. Sure. I mean, and that's one of the, um, you know, my dad struggled to keep a job. <laughs> Yeah. And so that's why my mom would work so much and work her her day off. So she worked six days a week. And then she, you know, she would even say, not that she was making excuses, but she was so angry at my father for um, their situation and how much we struggled and, and were hurting um, that she would, her, you know, her coworkers would say, come drink with us, come go out to dinner. And they had all this money and they would buy her nice dinners and buy her drinks and, so yeah, it was her escape and that's where she, she would rather go there. So, yeah. Which I can understand on a certain level. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what support and resources, I mean, how did you get into this line and, and what have you utilized? Did you utilize this for your own? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, got an arm sessions for a good four years. Um, when I first, beginning from when I first started um, learning the practice as a practitioner. And, and I, you know, my history, I, I first got into therapy as a client in consistently in 1990. So, you know, we're talking almost 30 years ago. And, and there were a lot of things that made me feel better, but it wasn't until I found Narm that I actually found something that actually shifted the patterns that I was able to shift the patterns. So um, I'm a scientist by training, so I'm I'm inherently curious and, and I'm somebody who digs into the root of things and always wants to know why, you know. And so so I was never satisfied with the option of taking meds, for example, for no. depression or or you know meditating no offense to meditators because I think meditation is amazing, but, but I wasn't dissatisfied, for example, with, with finding things that would help me feel less anxious. I didn't want to feel anxious in the first place. Like right. I didn't, like I wanted to be able to, to feel comfortable connecting and being, being, having intimacy with, with friends and family and, and loved ones. 
Right. So I just, I just kept searching and, and first I found somatic experiencing, which was my first foray into, okay, the body really matters here. Yeah. Um, and, and I did a lot of good SC work as a client, particularly on the shock traumas in my history. Um, but it still didn't quite get me kind of where I wanted to go. And, and so then a colleague of mine who um, I had met in the SC training, we became good friends and kind of continued on our professional path together said to me, you have to do this nerve training. And I said, wait a minute, you know, I've done, you know, at that time I'd done a ton of different trainings and I, I just was like wanting to land in my work life. And, and he kept saying to me, no, you have to do this. And so I finally did. And, and, you know, it really, um, it was, it was, I was, was aware really pretty quickly of the power of it. Um, because it really works at the machine language level. This is how I like to think about it for all the geeks out there. Like, like, like it really helps us change how we interact with the world um, while bringing more of ourselves um, into the equation. It's, it's really, it just changes the way that we relate to ourselves and to, to everyone in our whole environment. And, um, you know, and that's really the essence of ACEs from my perspective is that, is that children survive those experiences regardless of, you know, where they are on the continuum from truly horrible to a mild, a mild form of, of say, you know, misattunement or workaholic family or something. Um, but we come out of those experiences believing certain things about ourselves that simply aren't true. Right. You know, so anytime I hear someone say, well, that's just who I am, that I know they're probably talking about something they came to believe about themselves in order to survive another time and place. Yes. And, and that's really, you know, that's really um, what I'm so passionate about is really inspiring people to do the inner work to, to shift those patterns because life's too short, you know? Yeah. And there's too much amazing, like even as difficult as things are in the world right now, there's too much possibility to just to just accept um, that we're stuck with those old patterns. Like I, I love just, it, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, my favorite question was why when I was a kid. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I went I went and got my psychology degree just because I wanted to know why. So exactly, you know, and I, I have the great good fortune of finding myself um, um, spearheading the research in the modality as well. So we're starting to do research in NARM and it's, it's efficacy oh. for complex trauma. And, and that's just, I mean, it's so exciting. That is exciting. That's yeah. cool. We've got, yeah. we've got somebody in, in a group of people in Florida that are um, using this modality uh, throughout an adolescent treatment center for addiction. Like they've literally everything about the program is infused with with norm principles so you know the, the kids aren't locked in for example they're adolescents they're not locked into this facility they can leave if, if that's their impulse wow um so there's all kinds of, of ways that they've infused the program with with these principles and um you know so we're we're right at the early stages of doing a study on how how well norm appears to be working for, right for them so yeah. Well, again, I, I think it's amazing. You know, when you said about medication, 
I, I'm not a fan of throwing a pill at it. Like I don't take any meds. I don't, I don't, I don't even like to take Tylenol when I have a headache. So <laughs> it's just me personally. But, um, you know, when I first experienced all this, I was on antidepressants and I was on anti-anxiety and, um, Every now and then, if I have to fly, I try my best not to have to take a Xanax, but if I have to because it's overwhelming me, then I do. But I, what you're saying is so true and so accurate because I know, and that what I try to tell others is that that's masking or just calming a symptom, yeah. but it's st- what, whatever's triggering it, whatever's, it's still there. That's right. Um, that's just helping a physiological response on a yeah. temporary basis. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's getting to that. And that's what you're talking about. Getting to that soul stuff, that good stuff. And what's, what's creating this um, such cool stuff. I love totally it. Cool stuff. I mean, this just goes back to what Oprah said last year, you know, in her, her understanding yeah. of ACEs, which is amazing that we have to heal the whole in the soul. Yeah. You know? we have to do right i've not heard that at this point do what it's a cultural imperative in my opinion oh like you said you know if it's a hundred percent of the people you're working with i you're right i mean it truly is yeah um affecting us all (laughs) yeah for sure um well, I asked you that question. How, so any myths or facts that you would like to clarify for people? Well, one big one is I touched on earlier um, is, you know, this is just who I am. Like yeah. from my perspective, that's a myth. Um, the other myth is um, that, you know, you have to dive into the specific, you know, gory details of what happened. Um, there's a lot of people who don't go near this kind of work because, because what happened was so awful. Um, I, um, and I, I think another fact that is really emerging, particularly through ACEs, is, is the understanding of how this is all connected and how, how so many different medical things that people struggle with can be tied to adverse childhood experiences. I think that's a really important fact because um, as important as it is to, to get everything checked out medically for sure, I find it empowering that, that, um, that maybe there's another approach that can make a difference, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think another, another um, myth that um, I want to dispel is is the myth that there's something wrong with me for having these issues. Um, what I always find when I work with someone is that, is that um, they walk a journey towards more compassion to what they experienced in their childhood and also what they had to do and what they came to believe about themselves in, in order to survive. Um, it really, I find this process really helps people build self-esteem from the inside out. So rather than using techniques to, not that positive thinking can't be powerful, but, but rather than using a, a, a behavior to try to improve something, we really, we really um, 
dig much deeper into what's driving those old negative thoughts about ourselves. So, you know, no one's born hating themselves. No one's born thinking they're a bad person or they don't deserve success or, right. or, or that it's not safe to be visible. Like that, that all happened. All those beliefs came online for a reason. And so that's a lot of what I find with people is, is there's a, a, a lot more compassion that, and then the forgiveness comes organically. It's not, it's not something like you described it so beautifully in your relationship with your mom. Like if someone had said to me, you know, and probably they probably did say this to me actually, you know, 15 years ago that someone had told me to forgive my father. I mean, I just would have felt rage. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't have made any sense. But now that I've moved through so much of my my own work and and really changed my relationship to what happened i have a lot of compassion for him and a lot of forgiveness right yeah but it came organically rather than like working for a mantra of it yeah 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 that makes sense and that's a, that's a very fascinating interesting way to look at it and i never really thought about it that way before when you were talking about the positive affirmations because i use them yeah. um and it's it is almost like a, a mantra that you slowly start to believe, you know, you know, I am worthy. I am lovable. I am, you know, whatever those are. Um, but what you're saying is you're just, it's, instead of coming at it from this direction, it's coming at it from this direction and kind of clearing the, clearing the old junk out of the way. Exactly. Yeah. That's fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Anything else that you want to clarify for listeners? Let me check our times. Oh, we're good. Um, yeah, that you want to talk talk about or touch upon. I, I I think just to name again that the starting place is for people to just consider what they most want for themselves. You know, that's really so much the essence of of the work is is to we really help people my colleagues and i really help people develop a new relationship with themselves like like because that's what didn't get to happen in childhood how many of us had somebody really asking on a regular basis well what do you want for yourself right now you know in a, so many of us felt like we were at someone else's mercy mercy in terms of speed or timing or oh no you you don't really like that you know right oh you don't really want that i will just take a look at this thing instead you know there's all this kind of misattunement around around likes and dislikes impulses not that you know there always has to be some of that um for sure for safety and other reasons but but um i find that the work i do is really really validating of the essence of who someone is yeah, giving people their voice back is how I hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful, and I love it. All right, so again, how do people get a hold of you? And um, yeah. So suzygruber.com, S-U-Z-I-E-G-R-U-B-E-R.com. Um, I'll also give out my phone number, which is 707-888-9646. Wonderful, yeah. okay. Well, thank you so very much for being here today with me and uh, sharing your insights. It's been wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you, Terry.
Absolutely. Everyone, until next time, remember to be gentle with yourselves. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you.